This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. On a mission to explore the far reaches of cinema, three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Synonauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. This week, we are uh, continuing our exploration of John Cassavetes' The Killing of a Chinese Bookie with Paul Thomas Anderson, PTA himself, his mm-hmm. ode, his, his tribute to uh, the golden age of pornography, <laughs> <laughs> of the porn industry, uh, Boogie Nights. Boogie you Nights. You all know I'm a big PTA stan. I'm very excited Me to talk too. about this. Are you? I, d- I never heard that about <laughs> you or from you five times a day, every day, all the time. <laughs> Uh, also, <laughs> if you're just joining for the first time, you probably noticed uh, a little bumper at the top of the episode that says this is a tape deck production. And if you didn't check out our little bonus episode that came out on Monday, uh, this is our first full episode as a part of the tape deck podcast. What community? Yeah, oh, network. Network, Gang. network Street something. Gang. Fam Gang. Jam. Yeah, fam jam. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so if, if you missed that or didn't listen to it because you're wondering like what that means, uh, we basically started a like podcast group with uh, a bunch of our podcast friends who we've mentioned all of them on here before. 70 Millimeter, Bat and Spider, Dune Pod, uh, Lost Light, Will Run 4, and Boom's new podcast, uh, Film Hags. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing crazy, but it's just we kind of did it unofficially, so we kind of just formalized it to make it a thing. Um, yeah. You can check out all the stuff on tapedeckpods.com. It's very, very exciting. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. It's cool. It's just the people we love talking about stuff they love, and it's fun to help out the people that you care about and you want to just help them up. So it's mm-hmm. a nice way to, like, like you said, formalize that feeling, I think. Before we get into uh, the Mark Wahlberg's body tribute hour, <laughs> which is going to be the alternate. So glad name. we we watched <laughs> Enter the Dragon before this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Really, really yeah. relevant. I didn't. I like didn't really remember that detail. Um, but what what did what did you guys watch this week? Boom. Okay, so I watched a whole lot of crap, and then <laughs> one really good movie. Um, also, just quick Mayor of Easttown update. Last episode, jaw was to the floor. I won't say I'm anything else. She ate two sandwiches oh, at wow. once. It was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, everyone. I've had I I muted things on Twitter because I saw like everyone was talking about it. Spoilers. Oh no. But yeah, so I watched Without Remorse. Um, Hmm. obviously motivated to turn that on because I love Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) I was trying to put together what that movie was, and then as soon as you said Michael B. Jordan, I was like, oh okay. It's like Tom Clancy. Mm -hmm. It's it's always funny when the movie titles are like. Tom Clancy's like without remorse or like Lee Daniels this you know Mm -hmm. um but it's just kind of like a very typical action revenge movie um and Michael B. Jordan is like on 11 the whole time just being this like Mm -hmm. angry 
revenge-seeking dude. Um, and I I want to say it was worth it, but it unfortunately mm. wasn't. So there was that. Um, I also watched Greenland because while I was watching Without Remorse on Amazon Prime. <laughs> why, why did you watch I, that movie? I, I, there was an ad for Greenland that came up. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, it's been a while since I've watched, like, a disaster movie. You know, maybe I'll do it. No, <laughs> Instant no. regret. Yeah. <laughs> I could have told you that. Oh. I, yeah, I saw, I saw your um, review for it after, like, I watched it. But I was like, the whole, the whole first part of the film is them, like, getting, spe- like, special selected to go to this, like, bunker in Greenland but not everybody else was selected. So they have to like leave their na- like pleading neighbors behind who are like, take my daughter. And they're like, no. And then <laughs> something goes wrong. And then they have to like spend like after doing that, they have to spend the rest, the entire rest of the film relying on the kindness of strangers <laughs> to get by. So <laughs> it was, I was like, this movie is so stupid. Um, but the good film I watched, uh, I watched together together with. Oh yeah, yeah. I love, I love this movie. Helms and mm-hmm. Patty, Harrison. Patty Harrison. Yeah, it just came out uh, recently, and it's about a middle-aged man who wants to have a child. So he does, and he decide he's a single dad or a single man, and he decides to go uh, the surrogacy route, um, and then he ends up becoming friends like with his surrogate and it's just like obviously becomes like a little bit of a complicated relationship because um she's pregnant with his child and they're just trying to navigate like caring for each other um and I thought it was a really lovely story and I really loved the depiction of like friendship as being like an important relationship that's like just as important as like a family relationship or like a romantic relationship because I I know I've said this before but like that's something that you don't always see in film um and I thought it was really well done I thought Ed Helms's character was like a little bit overbearing at times Ian I don't know like if you can attest to that at all as like a a current (laughs) father to be but like just some of this like like controlling like food diary stuff. I was like, I wish that like they weren't leaning so hard into this. Um, I think that's because realistic though. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously a woman's body is their body and they can make every decision they want to do as, mm-hmm. as they please under the regard that they are doing it with well intentions with like the bait for the future baby. Like, I would, I would, I would have an issue. Someone was just like profusely drinking and doing hard drugs. Right. Someone was pregnant. hundred percent. You know, like, like with within reason. Obviously, that, that is a buzz kill, what I Ian. But like, <laughs> but like, as like the 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 future father, there's not much I can do other than like try and help and be like. And a lot of the hmm. times, it's like asking, "Oh, like, is it okay if you have this?" You know, and. Yeah. Over like at the start of like Tara's pregnancy, I I like a couple times I was like, oh, like are you sure? Like you had a cup of coffee today, you can have two. And then, but once like <laughs> you kind of get over that, like none of that, like yeah. it's all fine, and all of that is just like, you know, all these things that would like have been driven into at least people our ages' heads are just from like old, outdated like doctor research because they never spoke to women. Yeah. It's, like that tension <laughs> goes away, right? So I see where like I understand like it might be a little exaggerated, but I'm sure people, yeah. especially like in a surrogate situation where 
the woman, the, the surrogate is not going to be like the mother. I can understand how like I can Someone see where, would like, the be overbearingness more... would come yeah. in. Yeah. Right. And I think um, because yeah. they become friends, like I think that kind of aspect of the relationship eases up as it goes on. It was just like a right, lot right. all at once. But other than that, I like really, really loved it. And I think Patty Harrison is an absolute star. Like she really brought mm-hmm. the comedy factor. Um, like the podcast joke was like I was howling. Um, and the thing. <laughs> of, yeah, yeah I, obviously, I'm not going to go through all the jokes, but um, yeah, it's really funny. I think people should check it out. It's just like a really cute, heartwarming, mm-hmm. easy watch. And that was my week. Nice. Probably could change the pace out of Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, and now it's time for Shutter Chat with Catcher. Huh. Actually, no, <laughs> no Shutter stuff this week. But I, oh, wow. I okay. every week it's like, what did you watch? And I always say a couple things, and I always know I left out something I wanted to talk about. So I wrote down everything I watched mm-hmm. this week, and mm-hmm. I'll just do Tonight. a quick run through. You know, there's a website that lets you do that. Really? I just wrote it on notes. Yeah. <laughs> it seems pretty straightforward. I don't need a, another app in my phone. I check once, once, once <laughs> a month or catcher. something. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am old man today. Okay, let's see. Let's let's go through the whatever stuff. I watched uh, the making of uh, God of War documentary, Raising Kratos, which is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Nice. I watch it like once a year. It's very uplifting. I watched a Christopher Nolan interview, which was surprisingly insightful, but the interviewer was trash. Uh, <laughs> I watched Stowaway. Oh. Which I believe is on Prime in Canada, but every review I've heard of it talks about it on Netflix. So I don't know if it's on Netflix in the States and Prime in Canada or how that works. It's on, yeah, it's Netflix in the States. It is Netflix down here, yeah. Amazing. Uh, it's pretty good, actually. Um, people were drawing comparisons to Sunshine. Uh, mm, Sunshine mm. is a, a, is a like leaps and bounds better than this film, but I did really uh, I did enjoy it. I thought it was good, and I thought the acting in particular was uh, really great. I really enjoyed it. Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Yes, da- uh, Daniel Day Kim. Right. That's his. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The scene where him and uh, Anna Kendrick do the mug exchange, where she, he finds out that oh, she's brought yeah. mugs on left me with a smile on my face so big that Emma had to point it out and laughed at me at how happy I was as the scene was unfolding because I was just enjoying the back and forth so much. Um, what else? Uh, I watched the entire series of Halston on Netflix. I've never heard yes, of it. Yes, it's uh, Ewan that? McGregor plays Ooh. this designer, Halston. He was like a huge dude in the 70s and 80s. Uh, okay before this is already right up your alley oh yeah so it's about this like uh fashion designer sort of like eccentric fashion designer um and uh it's amazing it's like five episodes ewan mcgregor Mm. is the best uh he's so great in this movie uh uh, sorry series um i think everyone should check it out and because of that, I watched some episodes of Next in Fashion on Netflix, which is like Ooh. a reality series that I really loved that no one else did. Yes. Also, is Tan France not one of like the most beautiful people yeah. on this earth? Yeah. Like, yes. oh my God. He wore Confirm. some things on that series and I was like, I think, can't believe you're pulling this off right now. Because it, yeah. Yeah. his hair is also iconic. Yeah, iconic. Oh, yeah. 
Unreal. Um, and then finally, I did watch a little bit of Underground Railroad, but I think me and Boom are going to talk about that in depth next week. Oh, probably. fuck yeah. Okay, so that's good. I feel like I blocked it. I yeah, was that's like, for- mm. <laughs> understandably so. Um, yeah. So then my real like last big one that is awesome is a show on YouTube called The Show About the Show. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Someone suggested it no. on another podcast I was listening to recently, and I put it on with Emma, and we got sucked into it. Uh, so it's this weird, artsy uh, documentary filmmaker from New York, and he gets uh, gets in connection with uh, a Brooklyn like public station, uh, and they're mm-hmm. trying to get some content created, and they want to make a show with him. So he comes up with this idea called Daisy Chain, mm-hmm where each episode follows somebody, uh, someone's like sexual encounters. And then the next episode is about the person they had sex with. And then the next episode is about a hookup between those two people. And then it moves on and on and on down the, down the line. Um, and they immediately say, no, but we would like to work on the show on a show with you. Can you come up with something else? And so his next idea is to make a show about making the show. So each episode is about the making of the previous episode. So the first one starts with him making the pilot for Daisy Chain. And then the second episode is all about the making of the, epi- the first episode, which is the making of Daisy Chain. And it, each episode is about the previous episode. And all of the situations that happen in his life are recreated with the people <laughs> who he had those conversations with. So he creates the dialogue, they go back and forth, and they reenact the, the real experiences, and he edits that and makes the show. It's super the most meta thing huh. ever, but it's awesome. And as soon as you start watching it, you get into like episode two, you get sucked into it, and there's nice. like 25 minutes an episode. And this dude is all about conveying literally anything that happened. And it's hmm. his <laughs> seeking the truth that sort of gets him into a lot of trouble. Um, mm-hmm. But that trouble, he's just also documenting. Uh, and it's a head trip, but it's a really fun show. And it's complicated in its description, but it's understandable when you start watching it. It's really nice. cool. Show about the show on Netflix, uh, YouTube, on YouTube. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch too much this week. Uh, I just want to spend my time uh, at the top of the show here catching up on what everyone else has been obsessed with over the last six months, which is Olivia Rodrigo. I mm-hmm. had heard about this driver's license track for oh. months and months and months, but I like had never listened to it. And then I finally did last weekend and she is incredible. Like she's like what, 18 or 17 also half Filipino. So what's up with that? Uh, queen. And then yes, queen. And then it, the song is just like incredible. Got my driver's license last week Just like we always talked about Cause you were so excited for me To finally drive up to your house But today I drove through the suburbs Crying cause you weren't around Like it lived up to all the hype and all like the memes I had heard about it it's just like it's it's crazy it's it's cool to see like catch the beginning of like of who's someone who's obviously going to be like a massive pop star for she's probably going to pick up like you know a, a taylor swift-esque level of fame i would imagine mm. um just based on what i've been like reading about her online and like 
and she has a couple singles out and all that sort of stuff. Uh, her music videos are pretty cool. And uh, I, I watched because she was like the musical guest on SNL this week. And she's just like incredibly talented and very, very good. So, okay. I'm going to have to check her out because I'm like you, Ian. Like she keeps on coming into conversations and like I see her like floating out there and I haven't like committed yet. So, yeah, no. sure. Her like singles, like the number one, like globally on Spotify, which is like insane. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Check. Yeah, that song "Driver's License" is a certified unbelievable banger. Uh, it and like the story behind it is pretty funny, and there, there's like even an SNL skit about it and stuff like that. So I ch- listen to it and report back. I I, t- I texted my like sixteen <clears throat> year old Gen Z cousin, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I love Driver's License," and she just gave me like the ha- she just gave me like the ha ha reaction. I was like, okay. <laughs> Man, it's so hard just, to connect with those Gen Zers, man. I know. I'm just trying to be like her cool cousin. She's probably like, can you like wake up? Is it, it January 2021? <laughs> <laughs> it hurts so bad when you like think you have a piece of gold because I have like an 18 year old brother. And it's like you think you have like a gold, like a piece of gold. And then they're just like, uh, yeah, whatever. And you're like, no, just please tell me I'm cool. <laughs> please. please, God, I need this. <laughs> I need this, please. <laughs> yeah i like to keep on the train of catchers and old man like i have not a clue what you're even remotely talking about at all so i'm looking i'm looking it up i'm looking it up now i'm looking it up now but long story short this girl olivia rodrigo she uh is on like the high school musical reboot that show that's on disney plus oh yes the story is she basically uh she was dating one of her co-stars on high school musical and then he broke up with her for like another actress oh, no. and then olivia rigo like wrote this song and like okay. released it and it became like the number one okay, single so this is taylor swift sort of part two yeah yeah right but the, and the song is like so good and so catchy and the lyrics are, are really great uh okay. so everyone, you want to just cut some, just cut some in there at some point in the conversation yes. yeah synonauts homework is everyone make sure you check that out sounds good uh yeah so should we get into it let's get into this. uh boogie nights so let's go to the disco let's go to the disco uh once again this is continuing our uh, conversation from two weeks ago about john cassavetes the killing of a chinese bookie last week we talked about uncut gems this week we're going to talk about paul thomas anderson's uh 1997 boogie nights uh and just kind of see how it matches up and why uh, boom selected it as her satellite pick for the killing of a chinese bookie uh, for those of you who haven't seen Boogie Nights, it uh, takes place in L.A., San Fernando Valley, 1977, basically at like the beginning or the, the golden age of uh, the film porn era. And mm-hmm. um, Mark Wahlberg plays a 17-year-old guy. He wants to be an actor, and he is blessed with a great... What, what word are we going to use for this whole episode? Can we vote right now? Dong? Hog? Are we going to go with hog? hog? I have to change all my notes if that's what we're doing. I'll have to. Okay. I I spent a lot of time thinking about the right word to use, and I hadn't. Yeah, but hog is fine. Okay, we're going hog. Uh, And he is blessed (laughs) with, like, a great hog. And uh, as he's working at this nightclub, a a porn star, a porn movie director, Jack Horner, uh, played by Burt Reynolds, discovers him, and it's basically about the rise and fall of uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, a.k.a. 
Dirk Diggler. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> boom. <laughs> Where Ooh. are you taking us? Okay, let's get into our time machines. <laughs> and go back to 1988 when bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and very horny high schooler Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson made a mockumentary about the rise and fall of a young man who is well endowed and becomes a porn star. And he called this the Dirk Diggler story. So fast forward a few years and PTA starts studying at NYU film school, um, but he's not really vibing with it and drops out eventually. But he also decides to self-fund a 20-minute short film called Coffee and Cigarettes using some gambling winnings that he acquired Mm -hmm. via uncut gems of him, tuition money, and his girlfriend's credit card. He enters uh, Coffee and Cigarettes into the Sundance Festival for short films, and he eventually gets it developed into a full feature. Um, Going by the working title of Sydney eventually what and eventually becoming what we now know to be hard eight though hard eight was not a box office success it received critical acclaim and made um an opportunity for him to turn the dirk diggler story into a full-length feature instead of going (laughs) with the full-on mockumentary style that he admits was a clean ripoff of this is spinal tap he begins to envision a well-thought-out period piece highlighting the golden age of porn and telling the story with an ensemble of characters rather than, like, solely focusing on Dirk. During the casting period, PTA originally offered the role of Dirk to Leonardo DiCaprio, who turned Mm -hmm. it down to make Titanic, but suggested he audition Mark Wahlberg, who was trying to break into acting at that time, He also wrote the role of Amber specifically for Julianne Moore, who he had long admired and was pleasantly surprised when she agreed to play the role, uh, which she eventually received an Academy Award nomination for. Burt Reynolds also was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and PTA received a nomination for Best Original Screenplay. And though he did not win... He was only 27 at the time. Absolutely absurd. Oof. It's so messed yeah. up. Right? <laughs> okay. So fast forward yeah. to present time, and he has nine critically acclaimed feature films under his belt. He has been na- nominated for several Academy Awards and surprisingly has never won bis- Best Picture. Can you fact check that, Ian? That's true, right? Uh, I believe that is true. Yeah, because yes. he is not. He's never sorry, won the I'm Academy not- Award. He should have won for There yeah, Will Be I'm Blood, sorry, but he lost to... to No Country for Old Men, which is unfortunate, but that's the oh, way yeah. it goes. I'm not trying to twist the knife, Ian. But anyways, <laughs> so Ian, so this is our first time covering like one of your all-timers. Like I know we've done people that you love mm-hmm. before, but like we've done Aronofsky, we've done Lerman, which who are like all-timers for Catcher and I. Um, so mm. I wanted to kind of like give you the floor for a minute and ask you, a, just a little bit about like your personal PTA journey. Like, why do you love him so much? 
And when did you know it was true love? Like, was it love at first sight? <laughs> and then B, um, I kind of want to know where Boogie Nights kind of ranks on your on your PTA list and why. Yes, I actually didn't realize that we had done two of your favorite directors yeah. uh, until you just said that. So that's 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 a nice call. Uh, let me think. So my first PTA was Punch Drunk Love. That came mm. out in 2002, uh, but I, I probably watched it in like, 2005 or 2004 and that was like a movie for me where i like had i had never seen a movie like that also and sort of like changed the way i kind of looked at movies so that that was like very important movie to me um but i didn't like really like i mean i loved it a lot but it didn't like make me go back and watch like magnolia or boogie nights or heart eight um until but then i watched there will be blood when that came out in 2007 and that completely like rocked my world. I was like, holy shit, this is the same guy who did Punch Drunk Love. You could not have two more different movies. And then that's when like I went back and watched um, you know, his other films and and became like immediately like obsessed with them. Nice. Uh I mean, I, I love PTA because kind of what I said, like all his movies, while they have similar themes that I'll mm. talk about probably later, like across all of them, they're all just so like wildly different. Um, he doesn't like stick himself in like a certain type of like storyline, um, or, or, or like time era or, or even genre, um, that a lot of directors, like I love Wes Anderson, but he is so like, obviously he has his thing. Like I would argue Paul Thomas Anderson does not have a thing, um, Mm. other than making like incredible movies, uh, which is like really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Other than mastery of like the craft, which is really, really interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I compare him to like Kubrick a lot. I think Kubrick is very similar, uh, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, or he is similar to Kubrick, I should say. Um, let's see, uh, in, in terms of ranking, it's kind of like an ever living list for some of it, but I always have Phantom Thread on top, uh, nice. which like I didn't expect, but when that, when it came out that year in 2017, I like, watched it in theaters. And I was like, holy shit, this movie's like amazing. And then I traveled a lot for flying that year. And I realized I watched it like three or four times on a plane. And every time I still loved it. And at that, I was like, man, this movie just like kicks ass, like on the smallest, like worst screen possible. And then I just like (laughs) seen it so many times. So it's like definitely the top of my list. It's actually like right now, I would say it's my favorite movie, like period. Um, Every time I watch a movie, I just like peel back something else. Like that's like so crazy and weird in it that I love. Uh, and then I would put like punch truck love. There will be blood in the master in like the next two through four spots. Um, and Oh, Magnolia too. I would put those four like kind of interchanging in there. Um, and then I would put boogie nights and then like, well beyond all that inherent vice, like inherent vice is a bad movie. I, okay. Like, like a lot of people like it. I, I do not like it. And I think it's because it's the truth. only one where he did not write the story. Mm. Uh, and it shows, I, you know, it, it shows like, yeah. Um, Actually, so I, I posted my review on Letterboxd. I put it at four stars, and our buddy Ismail, friend of the show, he actually said, like, how could I rate this four stars? And I said I'd promise I would talk about it <laughs> yeah. on the episode. So here it is. <clears throat> I, like, rate movies, and let's see what you think about this. I know I have, like, upset Proto with this in a lot of ways. I kind of rate movies not as, like, an overall scale. I always have, like, an internal... A gauge for like whether it's directors or genres or actors and so i put boogie nights as a four because to me i have phantom thread and like right as like it's as like a five star and then the others are like four and a half stars and since i don't put boogie nights in like that category i have Shifts to like down. put it 
it shifts yeah. it down. That being said, I probably like it a lot more than other four star movies, but I sort of, I do like self regulation of my ratings 100%. Like, in other ways. Do you guys do things like that? 100, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're like quite familiar with like you love PTA. So like when you're ranking his films, it's obviously going to be on another level than you're ranking anything else. So it's like right. if I'm watching something as a standalone and I'm like very shocked or excited or surprised by it, then I'll rate it higher. But if I'm watching something from somebody who has like a large body of work and I'm mm-hmm. familiar with it, then I'm probably going to be rating it a little bit differently. So I, I agree with you. Like it, yeah. it really fluctuates, depends on my mood, depends on right. if right. I'm hangry or not. <laughs> like there's a lot of factors. Right. And I will not be held responsible. <laughs> Catcher, what yeah, I uh, same thing for me. Like I, I rated this movie spoilers three and a, three and a half stars. I also mm-hmm. rated mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat three and a half stars. This is <laughs> this is far and away a much better movie than <laughs> right uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. But I had an absolute blast the whole time watching Mortal Kombat, and I'll get into like my issues yeah. here. So it's like this was to me for a large well the first half of this movie i was at like a four four and a half yeah watching it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh we can get to it later but we get to a certain point in the movie and it, that's where it lost me and so let's get to that now yeah Just keep okay going. so to me this movie at from the word go is awesome uh and, and mm-hmm. boom you brought up the fact that he was only 27 years old this is incredible to me um the way this movie looks, the lighting in certain scenes, um, when you get back mm-hmm. to the uh, Burt Reynolds house after he first mm-hmm. meets mm-hmm. Dirk Diggler, the lighting in that room was incredible. It blew my socks off. Um, the dialogue, to me, is not my favorite thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little, like, heightened. Not heightened, but it's a little, exa- it's slightly exaggerated. And I just, it's yeah. not my cup of tea. But it definitely works for the world. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but mm. otherwise, everything else is firing on all cylinders until the midway point uh, with the death at the party and the switch over yep. to the 80s. And after that, the movie basically shuts down and, and, just, <gasps> and gets, oh, just is too long. And oh I think what's... It's sort of detrimental in that he's actually so skilled that part of me feels like he doesn't realize how well he's getting across information through certain scenes that I find the back end has a lot of extra scenes that are telling me stuff I already feel very genuinely about what's going on. Like, mm. I'm on board with the story he's trying to tell, and I'm into mm-hmm. it, but I just feel like he's actually much more... Like, this could have been at least half an hour shorter using all the same stuff rejigged in a certain way and i think this would have been a much tighter and still competently told movie um but you know everything else about it is great the acting is amazing the performances are incredible like even marky mark like does a good job of like he's great you know, like everyone is mm-hmm. uh, you know ev- like there's not a bad person in this movie um so yeah it's funny i i feel the exact opposite of you me. actually that's crazy i I well, I love what I love about PTA is that he I love his dark like shit. All his Mm. movies feature like largely uh, almost almost exclusively like all the main characters are like toxic men who are trying to 
get to the top of something and like it's funny that obviously the penis is like literally the allegory in this movie but that's (laughs) that's something that like goes on through all his movies right like in there will be blood it's an oil tower in the master it's a boat um you know in in uh magnolia it's also like tom cruise is like this like male sex thing like so i love i love him when he really writes about the failures of like toxic men and like over masculinity so that's why i really like the back half of this movie and i haven't revisited this in a while i don't revisit this nearly as much as like his other films but something that like stuck out to me is that i i really love that pta is such a controlled director and magnolia or sorry and uh boogie nights when you realize like it's his second feature film and his first like big hit i couldn't get i i almost got distracted because it seemed like he was like really excited and did all so like every scene had like a camera trick right like every scene had a tracking shot or like and you know there's like an insane amount of needle drops throughout the whole thing like every single song until the back half is like is like a pop song or a song you know uh and like you know the shots were like they go into the camera lens and like they show you like the film reel and all sort of stuff like it's like he was so excited he got this money to make this movie and he was like i'm gonna throw everything i can at this movie and it's especially like obvious in the first half um and for me i think that that was like almost like distracting so it's funny i I see the complete opposite of you uh boom what what about you um i love this movie so much it's like one of the it's one of like the early days of boom loving film movies that caught me. Oh, cool. yeah. But okay, surprisingly, cool. Ian, don't get mad at me. I went through his catalog. This is the only Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> film I've ever seen. <laughs> and, I've, <laughs> and I've been watching it for like probably like 15 years. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's boggling my mind that like I haven't seen anything else, but. That's incredible. I love this film. I think it appealed to me like as a teenager because a it's like a little bit naughty, but yeah, then right. also I felt like it had substance, which was like a fun. There was like that was like the fun part of the draw, or like a good excuse I could give to my mom if she caught me watching it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I honestly love everything about it, and I'm on. I'm not one to kind of go. F- for the like long films but i just feel like i was on my toes the entire time i feel like mm-hmm. i could always even as like a 15 16 year old i think like the comedy re- really reads through um like the dark comedy which i think is a hard thing to kind of double down mm-hmm. on and, and get across mm-hmm. um i one thing i especially love is this being like dirk and jack kind of being like the central characters Mm -hmm. but having such a large ensemble cast um i love that every story seems um important and Mm. whole by the end of the film like they all kind of taper off at different parts but you still feel satisfied that like all the the loose ends kind of get tied up and you feel like equally as invested in in every single character um so yeah, I I'm a huge fan of this film. Huge, huge hog fan. Ew. <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> I tried it. <laughs> we're, we're going back. We're, we're going back on that. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Man, let's let's talk about uh Mark Mark Wahlberg and uh, his, <laughs> his character of Dirk Diggler. So 
something that I love, and I think some people don't like, like I can understand when people don't like sort of stunt casting as, as people say, but you know, Mark Wahlberg at the time, he was still like known as just like a pop star. He had done like some random movies, but he was still Marky Mark, like Marky Mark and the funky bunch. You know, he was like, he was a pop star or pop hip hop. I don't know. He was like kind of that weird in between. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so this role for him is sort of like, it became like the kickoff to his like acting career. Um, after this, he got like a bunch more like serious roles and is now like Mark Wahlberg that we know him today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously I didn't, I mean, at the time I didn't really know who Marky Mark was. I didn't watch it at the time at 97 also, but I, I like, I think it works so well when you know, like the pop culture sort of aspect behind that. Um, I think it really like affects how the movie works. What, what do you think? It, when I was watching it, I, part of me felt like I really wish I could have gone back to when this actually came out because like most mm-hmm. of these people now, like everyone knows all of these people, but at the time they would right. have been like complete yeah. unknowns. Like Tom, no one would have known Thomas Jane. No one would have known, uh, uh, Riley. C- Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, like, uh, so it would have been nice to sort of like, lose that sheen a bit because I and this was a thing on me not the film like I just kept like seeing them and so that was pulling Mm. me out a little bit but not enough to like ruin it like everyone is doing such an amazing job in this um and him having like you said a little bit of that like uh starness to him does allow you to see why everyone would sort of like fall in love with him Mm -hmm. um right away um, but I also think like the way they build his character up is incredible. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just even the way they do these reaction shots, like you don't see his hog like through the whole movie. <laughs> it's always like insinuated. The faces that yeah. characters make when it's like revealed to them <laughs> is so just funny. incredible. Yeah, it's so it's so funny. There's yeah. like the the colonel. <laughs> his is the best yeah. because it's like. He's like, I want to see it into the middle of the pool party. And he takes it out. And that actor, whoever he is, <laughs> he makes a face that is eager. Robert Ridgely makes this face. That's like, he, he feels so emasculated and weak and like, he feels so small. <laughs> and yet he also knows he's going to make a billion dollars on this guy. Like he manages to make that face. I don't even know how you find that emotion in your, but it, it's, it's perfect. And like, so many yeah. other scenes where it's just the reaction to seeing it just blows people away. And I was watching it with my my buddy Johnny, and the scene where you actually see it yourself, both of us were quiet. No one's no one said no one said <laughs> oh anything. It was like exactly like the same reaction every one of these characters had. It was just like that to me was hilarious. But I think he's done he does a great job in that role. Like and he's fit yeah. as hell and just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you guys want me to drop. The uh, hog facts. Drop the hog facts. Let's go, boom. Hog talk. So I Googled it. A, because like I obviously knew it was a prosthetic, but in the back of your head, you just like can't help but wonder. Is that Um, why he was casted? There's rumors around town and they were like, you've got to get Marky Mark secretly. It's true. (laughs) No, it was definitely a prosthetic. It was 33 centimeters long which is bigger than a ruler yeah okay 33 centimeters is 12.9 inches yeah (laughs) oh yeah we need to do the conversion rate come on yeah us us dumb americans don't think (laughs) we don't like the 100 base system we go by 12 for some reason yeah got it got it got it um also it's i believe 
to this date the only prop that Mark Wahlberg has kept from a set. So he still has it. <laughs> he has done terrible and I things it with, with that. Terrible things. <laughs> I watched it with Mel last night and we tried to <laughs> figure out how much it weighed as well, but I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get the details on that. Someone could sacrifice their uh, Google search, search history, yeah. ads for like a year if you just look for the length uh, in, yeah. like, in like a sex shop website Please or something. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know in our email, cinenutspod. Ian's having a kid. He can't put those kinds of searches anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Can't put that stuff into the Wi-Fi. But yeah, those are are the hog facts. And we were kind of just wondering if Mark Wahlberg, like, has it just, like, mounted uh, to his wall, like like a, like, bear head or whatever. Right, yeah, (laughs) with, like, a little wooden thing around it. (laughs) Just dirt diggler under it. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, a little plaque, a little brass plaque. Uh, uh, aside from the hog, boom, what do you think of Dirk? His character, though, everything I like would hate in a human being, um, especially this film, just like kind of slightly revolving around a penis or a hog. Um, I'm like, I'm so shocked that I do not hate this movie because there is this like self-awareness in the characters in how like ridiculous like ridiculous and they can be and i thought that like the casting was perfect especially especially any time that he had to kind of like throw a tantrum like at the beginning mm-hmm. when he's like fighting with his mom and he's like i'm gonna be somebody i was like this is so ridiculous and grating but like this is perfect um and then when he's like freaking out on the set when he just like wants to bang and like <laughs> yeah. storms off and quits and oh, even God. just like the little spit takes of him doing that, like Amber's like documentary and <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it just like it all hits. And and I don't care much for what Mark Wahlberg is an actor. Like I like him in this mm-hmm. and I like him in like four brothers, which is so random. So, yeah, I think he's really great in this sh- in this film. And it always kind of like. I I think of he's just like such a commercial success actor who like doesn't like really need to be great like i know he's done some like hard-hitting performances but for the most part it's like what what was that like daddy's home like shit like that um (laughs) money making (laughs) so like the respect meter for like mark Wahlberg goes goes up a bit when i watch this film because i i think Mm -hmm. he really kills kills it as this character the way they make him like the perfect porn star like Mm -hmm. his personality like everything about it was just like the way they create him into this like godlike figure for Burt Reynolds, it's just like he's fine to go for like twelve hours. He's he's like fine to do that. Like every every aspect of this like terrible personality boom, like you said, like you know you're not supposed to like him, but every aspect of his personality is perfect for this job. Like, mm-hmm. and I just find the way they like create this person that you're rooting for, even though you don't like, like it's 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 amazing, like how he plays with that. And that yeah. you suggested like that that's a thing throughout his career. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's true. Like he does sort of like follow the people you don't like. Yeah, I mean they're they're basically all anti-heroes. Like I think the master is like towards the farther end of like pretty villainous and and there will be blood is on that end too. But you know, Reynold Reynold Woods Woodcock in uh in uh Phantom Thread. Uh yes, that's his last name. Uh <laughs> he's like a little bit more of a lovable guy. Like he's he's toxic in his own way, but he is like sort of like a you know, 
possessed artist and, and dis, you know disturbed artist in like a weird way but and adam sandler's character in punch drunk love uh sort of like more on the lovable side but he just likes talking about you know how masculinity can like destroy you mm. uh and yeah. it's funny because like in, in in boogie nights it's sort of like like porn pornography is obviously largely like a masculine facing industry and yeah. so he takes that idea of how like masculinity and like machismo can like tear you down but puts it on like an entire industry right and how it affects like all the people involved right like what boom was talking about earlier about how like the end sequence and how like they tie all these stories together like even the people who were loosely involved like don Cheadle's character buck he suffers by not able to get his like loan for his like hilarious yeah. hi-fi radio store business because he was like kind of evolved but as you saw in the characters he was not participating in drugs he wasn't like an asshole on the set he was at the oh, party you saw him at he yeah. was like sitting alone most of the time right <laughs> in um, his rick james costume right oh, in, his, yeah. in his rick james costume and like his cowboy shirts or whatever and like yeah. uh, but, right right but then you see you know heather graham's character who she probably got in the in she did get into the industry too young she suffers like in school and she has a traumatic like basically rape scene um you know in in the limo yeah. And, uh, like, it just shows how, like, you know, he takes, like, this broad idea and, like, distills it really well, like, yeah. really cleanly into a way that you can understand how, like, and, and that's also why I think I like the front half a lot, Catcher, is because, like, the front half is, like, it's, like, more just, like, abruptly funny mm-hmm. and, like, definitely more, like, absurd, like, mm-hmm. trying to get you to, like, laugh at all, like, these silly things, like, uh, oh, like, it's hilarious, like, he can, like, have sex whenever he, you know, like, multiple times and all that stuff. And, like, basically all these things, like, we think are, like, pretty funny sort of have have a dark payoff yes. at the end of the film. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think makes it so, like, effective and why, like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think it's why it's so effective and then works so well for me. To me, I just feel like I'm 100% right there with everything that you just said. Like, that's why the beginning is so great is because through it all there is a t- there's a touch of humor to everything and there is a touch of darkness that's in there that you kn- like that you know is you're leading to and I, and i th- and the payoff is to see it fall apart like mm-hmm. th- that is built into like who these people are and the character and the story that you're seeing and i i think that's i think he does that wonderfully i i just think again i find him so i think his ability to tell that story is so great that everything you learn in the back, I don't know how long it is, like another hour, I guess, maybe, mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the killing, he actually sums up in the one action of William H. Macy going in with the gun, killing mm-hmm. his wife and killing himself, literally tells you everything you need to know mm-hmm. about what's going to happen to these people. And to me, it's like, uh, that, that, like in a weird way, that sh- could have been the ending of the mm-hmm. movie. Like, that was so strong an idea. I think you need maybe 20 minutes after that. Like, obviously rearrange, like, how the story goes. But, like, that's such a descriptive moment. It's so powerful. And and it's the way it's been leading up to it and the way you see his wife, it's, it's so dark. And as soon as that happens, you know, the first thing I thought was everything is downhill after this. And that's what mm-hmm. happens. You spend another hour and a half traveling through the darkness on the other side of all this joy. And I... In a weird way, I think that's why I I don't I dislike the back half so much is because it's so strong at that scene. But if I, I I think the way you could still keep it the same way, it's just 
some of the scenes you could just cut out. Like the devastation is there. He gets enough mm. devastation out of every scene. It's like he doubles down on the devastation. It's like, no, really, it's really bad. It's bad. It's really bad. But it's like, no, no, no. You did a great job of describing a terrible situation. Like the fact that Dirk Diggler gets beat up in that car after mm. getting mm-hmm. screwed over by being solicited, right? By mm-hmm. some hicks and they beat him up. It's like, and then he's got to go and deal with uh, Molina, Alfred Molina. It's like, we, we know how dark this is for him. Like, I don't need to be keep being reminded over and over, like, that how was a true these double guys down. are. You know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't need it. Like, I, I, I was watching, I was putting down notes the whole time as mm-hmm. I was watching the movie. And then the, after the shot, after the house and the murder-suicide, I have no notes until the end because it was just like, I was so invested to it in the beginning. And then that's when it all sort of like fell off the rails for me. But the ending is great. Like and the whole thing works. I just think it could be tightened a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do mm-hmm. Ian with what you were saying, which is he, this was his chance. He's all of it's going in. Mm-hmm. And I think what's, I, I'm such a bigger fan of his later life films. And I think that his skill just is so good in this. It's so incredible. And it gets so much better and more refined and mm. more just mind-blowing. And, and I think that's why this, like, I can't give it um, a higher score because I just know how much more capable mm. he is as a director. Right. And it's just like, it's a great, if it's a great vibe. It's a fun time. Everything good you ever said about this movie the, between the two of you is absolutely true. But I just think, yeah, it could be even <laughs> better. <And> it's <laughs> like editing. That's all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boom, what were you going to say? Considering that this is set in the 70s at the beginning Mm -hmm. of, or well, not the beginning, but like the golden age of porn, as we've said a few times, um, also made in the 90s. So just considering the subject matter, I was kind of pleasantly surprised, especially I hadn't watched this film in a few years. When I chose it, I was like, this is like a does it hold up kind of situation. And the fact that he was, when he did this, his, like, a 27-year-old, like, white guy, it's surprising to me that it it does hold up as strongly as as it does. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's some, like, sensationalized things um, read the porn industry, but there's a lot to, there's a lot to criticize there. So it's, like, but it also seems like it's being approached from a respectful manner. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of what I saw going on, despite, like, William H. Macy's character being a little being completely in sully um (laughs) everything kind of seemed like sex positive and flowy for the most part um i think like the female sorry the women characters uh could have been a little bit stronger had a little bit more agency um but more so uh even that scene with philip seymour hoffman and um, Mark Wahlberg. When he kisses that, him on New Year's Eve. When he kisses him, which is such an annoying trope that I'm like over, just like the gay friend, like pining for his like straight friend. Um, but just kind of like the fallout of that and and the way that the character, the way Mark Wahlberg's character handles it. Um, like I didn't feel like I was like flagging the entire time where if something like this was coming out now, I'd be like, okay, like I'm going to, cancel culture the shit out of this but <laughs> yeah. right like i i mean you you talk about the female characters and he, he pta also does just like a lot of really strong like female characters in it 
I agree that these characters, at least that these characters are not so much compared to his like later characters, but Julianne Moore's character uh, of Amber is like super interesting to me. Um, Not because I I don't think she's necessarily like a hero character, but her character is so devastatingly written, right? Like you first meet her. um, I I think Jack says like, oh, she's the best mom. And like, she's the mom of everyone in the industry. You know, she could be anyone's mom. And then the very next scene you find out, you know, she, her kid's trying to get a hold of her, but she won't pick up. And then she's had a messy yeah. divorce and like all this sorts of stuff. And like how it like it strikes her relationship with uh, Dirk Diggler and Roller Girl, Heather Graham. Like it, it makes that so much stronger because it's like she knows she fucked up her true uh, family, her like actual totally. child and is trying to make up for it in different ways flawed ways obviously yeah. like yeah. in way like she gets you know Dirk addicted to coke and meth Cocaine. or whatever but <laughs> you know and then but then when it all collapses she you kind of see her trying to like fix that part of her life and it doesn't work out because it's too late but yeah you know it, it's interesting there and then i think you know roller girl heather graham has such a great storyline also um yeah. you know awful but i can't even imagine how many young uh women uh in the time or even now i'm sure even like now, yeah. now i'm sure it's just as prevalent as as ever you know going to, yeah. going to like the porn industry and make mistakes yeah uh, obviously it's not a mistake for everyone like i don't i'm not implying that yeah. in any way in her but case specific in her character's case specifically yeah yeah i think that all like the characters were very like well written like yes compelling yeah. characters but i think it's just exactly that is that it's like for women especially it's always the sad story i dropped out of high school and i didn't know what else to do so I, so i went into porn um you know what i mean and that's what kind of reads for both of them whereas on the on the men's side they're you know mark Wahlberg just wants to be a star like he just mm-hmm. wants to, he's so stoked to be here and like you know what i mean like he was happy to leave everything behind and it, it's nothing but gains for him mm-hmm. um so just kind of like taking just looking at that, like it would be nice to see in films sure. like this women who kind of are there because they want to be there and it's not a sad story. I'm happy to look at both sides of that because those are both very I mean, more than both. Like there's more reasons than just two as to why people would get into porn. Um, but but at just the. I mean, with the ending, though, I mean, I love the ending on how yes. yeah. they like they all fix their lives, but they're all still like this weird family Cute family. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, I their mean, lives Amber, are fixed, though, because they're together. Yeah. You know, so like, th- were, yeah. Amber and Roller Girl, like, you know, this is what makes them happy. Right. In, you know, in yeah. a way. So I think that sort of like t- talks about that in, in, in a way. Maybe it's not what they pictured their life would be. And I, maybe that's not exactly. what anyone thought their life would be, right? But it does sort of work, and and they all like come together like that. Just to kind of, I think, connect with the both the things that you both are saying, which is like there are a lot of roles that do the this these characters dirty in other mm-hmm. films where they don't develop them enough. And I think what's great about the characters in this movie and like a few of those other films that I like in terms of the female roles, it's like it's just a meaty role for them to get into. They give mm-hmm. it, he gives them a lot of depth and gives them a lot of pl- to play with. And like their incredible act, like Julianne Moore is obviously just yeah. a, a, like in the, one of the greatest actors of all time. And like, she really <laughs> gets into that character so mm-hmm. well. And he provides that in the writing. 
Like that's yeah. why it it feels better than you've seen these kinds of characters yeah. in other movies because there's actual depth to them, and that's and why he I think also she probably lets them play, which is like yeah. really mm. fun to see. You know, uh, yeah. like he, you can tell he he really like puts trust in his in his actors, which helps like draw out the, the performances. But also, like you can see that like, they're in their element doing their thing, which is like very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, we we have like six voicemails for this episode so we oh might have to cut this a little oh short oh my god but yeah, i was I gonna do say just, we're like not even close to like i know i know done talking about this <laughs> i movie. know uh but I, I i do have a question is how many adult film stars do you think want to be aspiring magicians <laughs> John C. Riley, Biggie, how could we forget perform- about you? <laughs> Dude, when it's like the end where it's showing everyone's like living their best life and he's a magician <laughs> and his like dance moves and stuff are so, are so bad. And like but when they're. His- yeah, go ahead. Uh, so his, but his magic trick is still like a topless woman like popping out of the box. <laughs> right. Like yeah. it's so, so ridiculous. Him okay. meeting Dirk Diggler for the first time and the way they go back at each other back and the forth. The pissing he's, contest? Yeah, he's like, how much can you bench, Brad? Like, that whole scene is so hilarious. It's just like, my goodness. And that's also, this is also really early in John C. Riley's career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's funny, like, people who watch this now um, for the first time, they could be like, oh, well, this is like just like Step Brothers, right? Like, right. it's the exact same thing. But this is, you know, his, his, this is basically his first, like, role in a huge movie. No, like, Step Brothers, like and his other comedy sort of pulled from his humor that he started like much earlier in his career, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, always super interesting. I have okay. I have one question to go. close out this thing then. Yeah, yeah, go. Okay. Does uh Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. at the beginning of the first thing of the movie, it's like he's like eyeing him down from a distance and he catches his eye. Yeah. Is he like a porn wizard in that like he can see just by looking at this man That's... that he is well endowed? Or is yeah. is it that he is at the bar because he's heard through the grapevine mm. that this is the case and he's going there to see him? I thought it was just like pheromones. Like you guys could just smell it off of each <laughs> other because like there's always something going on. And I'm he's like, the alpha. I, I he's feel the like alpha. this has he's to very do with strong. hogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like i feel like he sense i i always got the sense that he like had a tingling in his bones right like there was like a vibe like he looked at him he's like that's the one he's the one this is and i swear he has a line i i meant to write it down he has a line somewhere he was like where he was like that thing has to get released or some something like that (laughs) i swear he has some sort of line like that but uh you know yeah Yeah. it's (laughs) I, i think it is a skill that's how he got to the top of his field. Right, yeah. I um love that. I love that. well, I mean, we're already like into an hour on this conversation. We're gonna Oof. need to do like a, another a version two. of this whole like three <laughs> satellite pairings to talk about boogie boogie nights. Talk about again. Boogie nights again. <laughs> it continues. So let's go to our criterion moments and talk about how you think it relates to the killing of the Chinese bookie or even uncut gems, just like as we're doing this like exploration of the sort of theme uh in film. Uh, catcher, you go first. Uh, okay, so Criterion moment uh, for me. Yeah, I think it's the uh, the William H Macy scene. Yeah, like that mm. to me is just the way it's seated through. The, like that, this guy is just like uh, I don't use this word lightly. I know it's popular. He like he's a cuck. Like in the like he's <laughs> yeah. so like like he has no 
like personal whatever and just the way they seed this through and you know exactly what he's doing as soon as he steps out of the car you're like where is he going what's he Mm -hmm. doing oh okay and then you know and like it's sort of like it's then the downfall it's like everything that's great about the movie which is just like it is the darkness that comes after all the joy and then just in regards to like the whole thing i just like this idea of sort of exploring the underbellies of things and sort of um the way um there's just sort of rules that apply to this underworld and you sort of you have to play by those rules and sometimes it bites back at you you know Mm. so okay uh my criterion moment and i like kind of hate myself for saying this i i think it is like the final scene where (laughs) mark Wahlberg. it's good it's no it's it's, very yes yeah it's it's so it's so good because he gives his like he gives his monologue that you see for the very first time when he comes home from the bar where he's like pepping himself up. He does like his little Bruce Lee thing. And then the whole movie is like, you're spending two and a half hours wanting to see like what (laughs) this dude's packing Yeah, and they do it. And it's so absurd and outrageous. Yeah. And like, in in length not only in physical length but the scene like the shot length is so <laughs> just long sits there, yeah. like it just sits there like they yeah. didn't tease it. like it you you just sit there and it's it's just so perfect and so stupid yeah but also just like oddly <laughs> romantic in like this weird way right like it has this weird uh uh like beauty to it there's energy yeah he's gone through such a shitty time just wanting to be a star he had it let it all go and he comes back the whole family's back together and like you just get to see uh th- this this thing that you've been wanting to see for the whole movie the whole and, and i don't know it just it just works so well so and then it's so, so that's it for me and then lifeless yeah and then for me the I, I think you know pretty obvious how how it relates to to the the killing of the chinese bookie um but I think, like, on a grander scale, I think PTA is a lead. Like, it's hard to call him an indie director now, but I think at his core, he he is Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. None of his movies are commercial. None of his stories are commercial. Um, they're they're all filmed in, like, a unique ways and all that sort of stuff. And and I think, like, the green, greediness that we see in Boogie Nights, like, there's a lot of the, you know, they use the, the fake film grain, or it was probably real film grain at the time, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the tracking shots that follow people like through this world of things, I, yes. I think um is, is so obvious there. Uh and then in regards to Uncut Gems, I think it's interesting that the Safties, they made a film, a couple films before, but uh uh Uncut Gems was like their breakout and very and they casted Adam Sandler in like a very odd role for what he typically does. And I think there's a comparison where uh PTA, this is his breakout role, he casts Mark Wahlberg in a very odd role. Um, so so parallels there as well. So there's uh, a yeah. wonderful Safety Brothers Paul Thomas Anderson interview. I think from like mm. the Directors Guild or something. Oh, yeah, the Look DGA it up. podcast. Yeah, yeah, or something else. But excellent. If anyone should just listen to that, if film's your thing. Yeah, uh, which I assume it is if you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, boom, your turn. Yeah. So my Criterion moment is probably the beginning when Dirk and Jack lock eyes from across the bar yeah. and Jack's hog senses start tingling <laughs> um and then they just have that porno man conversation porno <laughs> <laughs> um 
But yeah, they have that conversation in the back, and I just think it's hilarious. It also sets like the whole film up, especially their relationship and how they will come to rely on each other. So yeah, that's mm. my criterion moment. And then in terms of tying this in with uh killing of a Chinese bookie, I think what I was thinking when I picked Boogie Nights was a just killing of a Chinese bookie taking place in the seventies, like actually shot filmed and set uh, in the seventies. And then boogie nights being a retrospective on that. Um, The adult film in, or sorry, just like the adult entertainment industry, but also, and most importantly, just kind of men kind of like soul searching and looking for something and trying to make something of themselves. And then, kind of having that unravel and and losing it and in boogie nights we see like the full formed um Mm -hmm. version of that because we follow them through several years whereas in uncut gems and killing of a chinese bookie we only get to see them for a short period of time um but yeah that's that was kind of where the exploration um and connection was for me Nice, nice, nice. Uh, yes. If you wanted us to talk more about Boogie Nights, you can do that by sending us an email next week uh, about it, and you can cheat and get us to talk more about it. Uh, yeah. You can do that more hog talk. sending us a voicemail or email uh, for more hot talk at <laughs> synonotspod at gmail.com. Uh, and on that, we have one, two, three. We have six voicemails we have to get to. Holy crap. Got him. Okay. We got him. The so plan we, is working. The, the plan is working. So <laughs> yeah. oh, let's... No. Uh, we'll start off with one from marcy that is about uncut gems speaking of follow-up so let's get that queued up hey synonauts it's marcy i'm calling in this week um because i really liked the uncut gems episode last week i had so much fun listening to you guys talk about that movie oh thank you and i wanted to share um a fun fact one of the other basketball players the safety brothers were looking at was amari stoudemire uh, because he was with the Knicks at the time and his schedule really worked out with them and everything and they really liked him and they got to know him. They did a couple of table reads with him. Uh, he has a quick cool. cameo and train wreck. So I actually think he's pretty funny too. I think that would have been I think that would have been nice. But Kevin Garnett, oh man, he really blew me away in Uncut Gems because I wasn't sure what to expect with him and his performance, but he he is really good in it. Um, another fun fact is that Amari Sonemeyer is actually Jewish. So to get to know him a little bit better, um, the Sackey <laughs> brothers actually um, had Passover with him. And I thought that was really cool. So I guess they're still good friends. Um, I'll have to send you guys that interview where they talk Ooh, yes, about please. all of that. It is yes, really interesting and everything. But um, also wanted to just say really quick, uh, last week I said a movie that stresses me out is Where's the Friend's House? That is actually available on the Criterion channel. I'm not going to say anything Ooh. else about it. I think you guys should just watch it. Uh-oh. and in, embrace the stress of it but then there's a huge payoff at the end and i think you guys will really like oh. it and uh let me know if you do watch it so thank you guys okay, for noted. everything and i'll talk to you guys soon bye thank you marcy thank you marcy that, that was the movie where all of us were like none of us have heard of this movie right oh yeah. right right yeah. right okay yeah. which is even better even yeah. more intriguing thanks marcy thank you marcy yeah thank uh, you uh, this next one is from our old pal, H. Hey, Synodots, it's H. I just wanted to call in about Uncut Gems, which I saw last year for the first time and absolutely loved. Nice. And 
one thing that you were reflecting on at Howard and, and how he turns, and it just reminded me of an interview Norm McDonald did on WTF with Mark Marin. You are, I guess, um, trying, to do it, <laughs> trying to finish it off. Right. Finally. Right. If, you're, if you have 450000 in the bank, whatever yeah. the fuck it was, Who's and then you lose 400000 you're a fuck it. I don't want to fucking have 50000 Right. <laughs> <laughs> to remind me that I don't want money to remind me that I had more money. <laughs> so that's how you do it. So that's how you do it. Yeah. And I thought that was very powerful and gave me perspective there. One piece you guys didn't mention Tilda. She is in Uncut Gems. Um, she plays the auction manager who phone, has a phone call with and yells at oh. and the original no, no, estimate no, 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 we are not correcting a correction. We can either what? put it or That's Tilda. Okay, you. thank you so much. Okay, uh, and Tilda making, making the rare appearance. Lastly, in terms of stressful movies, what about Boogie Nights? Uh, you have the scene uh, cutting back and forth with the limo with Roller Girl oh, and brutal. Dirk in the parking lot. And yeah. you've got Michael Penn's that music. Um, unrelenting score, followed by the Sister Christian scene with Alfred Molina. That shit is just nuts <laughs> and stressful to the max. So thank you guys for everything you do. Uh, we love you. Take care. Thank you, Thank H. You. Thanks, H. Uh, Mark Marin, please do not sue us. Please, God. Uh, for using your audio. Uh, please sue H at DunePod. He is the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, H, H Industries. H. Send that subpoena to H Industries. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, H, from DunePod, one of our tape deck uh, brethren. All right. Uh, this next one up is from Nico. Hey, Santa Nods. It's Nico, a.k.a. Nico Queen, on pretty much all of my platforms, I think. And also Plug. probably one of your first listeners. I feel like I definitely was there when it was released. Anyway, first Aww, of all, congrats baby. on Tape Deck. And an extra congrats to my Leo Queen. Boom! I am so excited to hear Thank your you. sweet, sweet, sweet voice in my ears. Even more now during the week. <laughs> and with Tape Deck, um, I'm stoked to be introduced to more film podcasts and podcasts in general. They will yeah. be added to my never-ending list of podcasts I have yet to listen to and catch up on. I am so behind. But as for Boogie <laughs> Nights, I personally went into it totally blind and was really pleased with the film. Um, I wrote, like, bullet yes. notes on my letterbox, which I had such FOMO about, so I joined recently. But, yeah, she um, joined, like, two days ago. about Daddy Burt Reynolds and Marky Mark's yeah. um, Torpedo? Is that what they called it? <laughs> we should have gone with no Torpedo. Idea. But before I go, I do have to ask, what are your porn star names? I think the general oh. rule, it's supposed to be like your middle name or favorite color is your first name of the porn star name. And then your last name for the porn star name is the street you lived on as a kid. Or you know what? If you have a better one than that, I, I think we would all love to hear it. So um, please share if you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's anyway, do this, <laughs> I'm excited for future content from you all. Um, yeah, super stoked. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh yes, I <laughs> feel okay. I, I, I thought about was... asking that actually. That was like on my list of things to do, but I was oh. like, eh, we don't get to it. First of all, Nico, I love you. Yes, um, thank you and so much. Also, it's often because I've done this before. First street you lived on, or first pet, as like the second part. Okay, of the and name. what and what's the first part? M- your middle name. Okay. Or your favorite color. Okay. If you don't have a middle name. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I so, just found out my porn name is amazing. That's so great. mine oh would be like, I guess, 
uh well my middle name is my filipinos use their mom's maiden name as like your middle name so if we did that it would be uh it would be sai lakeview that's pretty good uh Ooh, or i guess it would be okay. blue lakeview both of those work work pretty well Blue Lakeview. wow nice. that would be in like a, like a high classy sort of yeah, like port, yeah. you know what i mean like really like, premium yeah, yeah in in like high-rise buildings by the beach or something <laughs> miami maybe uh, what about you old yeah. man catcher what's your porn name bb ready 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 <laughs> alexander nailsworth <laughs> <laughs> How amazing is that? Holy shit. So I do technically <laughs> have like two other street names that I grew up on. No, this no, is the you most recent, that but that one was too good to give up. Yeah, you keep so. that one. That's good. Oh my god. Alexander Nailsworth. Nice. I'm ready. Sign me up. Uh boom, <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> my middle name is Marley. Uh, because my dad named me after Paul Barley. And my first <laughs> my first pet was a cat called skeeter so i I am marley skeeter nice incredible incredible great job everyone the artwork this week is i'm just gonna make a like a porn film where all three of these characters are are on the cover (laughs) oh man thank you very much for the uh amazing for the voice yes nico. thank you nico and i'm glad you asked that because i noodle around with it oh. uh and then these <laughs> last three voicemails are from uh the remaining three hags um, oh my god yeah they're yes. showing some love this week for for uh boogie nights although mel calls hers hoggy nights so <laughs> hey sitting it's mel <laughs> um I just wanted to say that I love Boogie Nights and also I watched it last night with Boom and like I can't stop thinking about um Buck Don Cheadle's character her boyfriend sorry Chuck he is definitely my favorite part of the whole movie um I love his cowboy look he's so adorable (laughs) and he's just like this like beacon of light and like um like wholesomeness in the movie that I forgot about um and like and the shot um sorry the shot where he is in the donut shop and um and like gets the blood all over him and stuff he's wearing that white suit is just so gorgeous and amazing um yeah, so he's my favorite. Buck is the best. I would watch yeah. a whole movie just about him and um I forget her name, but the actress that he ends up with. I just I love them so much. Anyway, sorry if this is long. I'm this is unscripted. I am raw dogging it. <laughs> anyway, love you, bye. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, Oh, uh, Mel. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, she's 100% right. First off, Bucky Swope, greatest name in film history. Number one. Pretty number good, two, yes. that scene in the donut shop at the end, I was getting like hard Lahane vibes. Mm. Like, mm. Big, and I was just like, don't pick up the money. Everything about picking up the money is bad. It was like, the cops are going to show up. You're the only one who's left alive. Everyone is dead. 
this is terrible. And it's like, I love that that doesn't happen. Like that's, it's yeah. just like, you kind of hate yourself for even feeling that way. Um, but the conditioning is real. So it's mm-hmm. nice that like you get this sort of like so, someone happy ending with him with a character. Agreed. So cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks Mel. Um, she was recording from like an aviary or something apparently she's she's (laughs) camping right now (laughs) Uh, this is from uh, hag3 Maggie (laughs) hello Cinenauts this is Maggie I'm calling in about Boogie Nights I don't have anything super revolutionary to say but I love this movie a lot I think it's like a really cool even though it feels like a lot happens at the same time nothing really happens it's sort of just a slice of life and you get like a really good taste of so many different characters which I love about it um a lot of people say by a lot of people I mean like my roommate and one other person on reddit (laughs) says that they get a lot of boogie nights vibes from euphoria the tv show like shot wise and content wise and maybe even dicks on screen wise (laughs) um so yeah don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that and i guess like another question that i feel like i'm in grade nine asking you guys is what would your porn star name be you don't have to answer that because i'm sure there's a million buzzfeed quizzes that would tell you that but yeah anyway i love you guys love the pod bye Oh, wait. Also, Julianne Moore is amazing, and oh I love God. her in this so much. Amazing. Okay, oh bye, my. for real. XXL. Oh <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do, like, the explicit tag on this episode, maybe, I, I think. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Maggie. Uh, thank you. I, Euphoria, totally, yeah. A lot of, like, tracking shots and sort of things yep. moving through crowds. I totally get that. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. A lot uh, of style. Like, yeah, it's it's yeah. good. It's great. Yeah. A lot of, great call. A lot of hogs. Yeah, a lot of hogs. Uh, and finally, this is from uh, Sophie, the final hag and ex-guest on the pod. Hello, Synonauts. It's Sophie. Um, full disclosure, I am watching Boogie Nights right now, and I'm sending this to you <laughs> as usual as you're recording. Um, I'm only 45 minutes in, so I, I really have not seen most of this movie. Oh, but you did not. I really just need to know, because no. I'm very confused. This movie is confusing me. Um, is Mark Wahlberg a good actor in this? Yes. Like, yes. Forget in general. I, know, I think he's not great, but like in this, I keep going back and forth. I'm like, oh, is is he doing something right now? But, yeah, I don't know. And then I also had a question, because Mark Wahlberg's room in this has a bunch of posters of people. And it had me thinking, I just, I want to know what posters the three of you had growing up in your rooms. (laughs) I feel like that that says a lot about you, and I just, I I, I need to know. (laughs) Okay, that's it. Goodbye. Love you, Sophie. Also... Mark Wahlberg is a good actor. You're only 45 minutes in, but get ready for a, a wild ride. Um, is he a good, good actor luck. or is Paul Thomas Anderson just a great director and he's directing he's appropriately? He's acting well yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Because like, I, I think at the beginning where he's like sort of like boyish, it works, especially when you see him like relative to the end of the yeah. movie, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's probably a combo of both, honestly. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's not like Mark Wahlberg has gotten like these meaty roles. That's like true. to really <laughs> flex his acting. <laughs> Lone Survivor. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, well, movie posters or what poster did you have in high school? Let me think. 
I definitely had Star Wars. That is for it's honestly wow, is a kind of shocking. sad how it's kind of sad <laughs> how like similar it's, I'm about to tell you. So I had a Star Wars oh, poster. No. I had a Clockwork Orange poster. Uh, <laughs> I I had a Britney Spears poster. Yes. And then I had just like a bunch of like pop punk bands and emo bands. So I had like Amazing. a brand new, a brand new poster, uh, like Ooh. a Blink One Eighty Two one, and then like something else. So it was shockingly like nothing too, too different now. <laughs> <laughs> same old, same uh, old. Yeah. Uh, boom. What's yours? I was pretty like big on posters, but I really liked making collages. So I had like a clusterfuck Ooh. of shit all up on my walls all the time but one poster that stands out um i got had a poster of tyrese in <laughs> too fast too furious yes yes on Amazing. my wall in that like plaid uh sleeves ripped off shirt uh-huh, you know uh-huh. guns blazing <laughs> and that that's that's what that's what was up that's the main one nice yeah catcher okay oh god okay so (laughs) i had (laughs) i had um like a teenage mutant ninja turtles poster yes but it was like a cross-up with nascar which i didn't even watch as a kid but they each car was like a different ninja turtle okay then i had two star trek posters (laughs) I had I had one of the next generation enterprise which was like something from a cereal box or something and then I had this amazing like widescreen like narrow like long and short amazing enterprise from uh the first series like traveling incredible like so fucking cool some posters from IMAX movies when my dad worked at mm-hmm. IMAX mm-hmm. some really incredible cool stylish posters and Something I found in college, someone had posted a cool ad for like a conservation and it had a really nice looking bird on it. And I stole that and I put it on my wall. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. We were Great all nerds. Thank- yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks for the lovely voicemails, everyone. Again, you can send those yeah, over to SendinutsPod at gmail.com or you can email us. Uh, we've been running a bit long. So, boom, do you want to give us just the hot and quick version? uh of uh, um, tea with boone yeah i have one thing to say and i asked people if they would cop or drop the iced out furby from uncut gems <laughs> yeah and the results were alarming because 70 percent of our millions and millions of fans said that they would cop that verb <laughs> so yeah. That's I think I said I would boom. Pop. I did yeah. not say I would pop. I said drop because Furby scare me, but like <laughs> something. <laughs> boom dropped every one of the people. She yeah, blocked she, you. She blocked everyone yeah. who yeah. says that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's man. it. Nice. Well, <laughs> everyone, uh, again, thanks for all that. We love all of you. Yeah, thanks um, for all the love. So before we wrap, we're going to head back with Catcher for his final pick uh, of this exploration oh, yeah. of uh, the killing right. of a Chinese bookie. And then next month, we're going to sort of restart the uh, process. So Catcher, um, what is your pick for next week? Guys, I'm very excited. Uh, I had picked 25th hour. I threw that out. I looked okay. again. I looked deeper inside my heart. And what came out? 
was The Old Man and the Gun. Robert Redford stars. Uh, I'm very excited. It's not as fast-paced and energetic as our two previous films. But I think we really, it's going to be really fun watching something a little bit slow. It's a little bit slower in pace, but the energy is fun. And I think it's a really, you'll really enjoy it. It's not going to feel slow. It's high energy, but just. It's chilled out. It's calmer. It's calmer. Your anxiety. Let's, let's, let's lower it down. It's been a little too high. Let's lower it down (laughs) and just have a nice time. Um, Nice. Yeah. So I'm going to brew a hot tea and watch it. Perfect. Perfect situation, actually, for that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Proud of you, buddy. My yeah, gift. That, My nice gift pick. To you. Also, our first Robert Redford, I think. Yeah. yeah it's got. Yeah, definitely. So. Yes. <clears throat> Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Great pick catcher. So, the old man and the gun That's will right. wrap up uh, our exploration, killing of the Chinese bookie next week. In the meantime, everyone, make sure to go to check out um, the other Tape Deck pods. You can go to Tape Doc. Yeah. You can go to Tape Deck pods.com to go uh, find all that fun stuff. Yeah. Boom catcher. And hit me up on Instagram. Tell me what your porn star name is. I'm curious. Oh, yeah. Ask yeah. that question. Put that, yeah. Make we that the team yeah. next week. I love That's that. That's right. I will. Uh, thanks, everyone. Boom catcher. Bye, everyone. I'll talk thanks. Next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.